you're an apostle by yourself and you have everyone around you that are pastoral and they're they're prophetic, they're all those things. They're like, no, you can't, you shouldn't stop. Da, 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 da. And it's because- You've never done it that way. Yeah. <laughs> what does loving your neighbor actually look like? This is Journey with Care, where curious Canadians get inspired to love others well through real life stories and honest conversations. Hey, Curious Sojourners, we're continuing in our new series, Leading Differently Together. I'm so glad you're on this journey with me as we meet up with some pretty fascinating Canadians who are living in their sweet spots and making an impact. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, God gives some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ. But honestly, what does that look like in Canada? You're going to have to listen to find out, and today we're going to get really curious about apostleship. I'm your host, Wendy Park, joined by producer Johan Heinrichs, and in studio today, we have a special guest from Winnipeg, Manitoba on Treaty 1 territory, Pastor Donovan Friesen. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Good to be here. It's so good to have you. I was looking forward to having this conversation. We go back a little ways, uh, back in Bible school days. You remember that? Briefly, I think I actually was a roommate with your fiancé at the time, now wife. That's right. I just came back from Central America. This was my landing space. And uh, yeah, I do remember your zeal for for God and for ministry. And you guys were getting married. And you were setting out for what I thought was a dynamic marriage and ministry future. And here you are. We won't say how many years later. (laughs) It's a few. (laughs) It's a few. Fill me in a little bit on on that gap. Where has God led you? Yeah. So left Bible college, got married, uh, was working and just establishing a home. And we were volunteer youth pastoring in a church plant that my dad had done. So the church plant was going really well. And then the place that I was working was for my uncle. He got diagnosed with cancer and he wasn't well. So I was like, that's no problem. You don't need to provide work. We can find something. It's no, no big deal. We ended up moving up to a camp uh, for a year and we wanted to discern are we like called to work with young people or work with the church or are we just doing it because the pastor's kid and you were kind of like charismatic in personality, so you're just the right fit? And we didn't make it very many months at camp before we're like, oh man, we know that this is what we got to commit our lives to. So we stayed for a year, came back, uh, went to university while doing youth work and church work on the elder team or the deacon team, I guess, at the time. Uh, And so we were working in that front. And a life of ministry was just our lives. I wasn't getting paid by the church. I ended up buying a small business so that I would have more flexibility and time to build the kingdom, to work with youth, to work with parents. Uh, that led to all sorts of things. We did uh, from worship ministry. I worked in a, in a private Christian school as a youth pastor in the school, uh, which taught me lots on counseling, on one-on-ones, on discipleship. Uh, that led us to a large church in a different city close by. We were there for 11 years, lots of formative things on like how to study the word, bearing fruit for the long haul. How do you initiate and move forward to bring transformation within community outside of the walls of the church? And then we came here to Winnipeg eight years ago, I guess, and took over a work. My dad had planted the church that we're in right now. It was fledgling. It was kind of at its last leg. And do we close the doors or not? And we knew we were coming back to Winnipeg for a long time. And so we ended up coming. God made it clear on the time. And so we came here eight years ago and have the great joy of leading this beautiful congregation in Winnipeg. 
That's awesome. And there, my friends, is a resume of a good person with uh, some apostleship <laughs> baked in there. I don't know if that was sort of in your your peripheral heading into ministry. However, you have touched bases in a lot of things. You you weren't stuck into one thing. This is what I'm going to do. You always saw a little bit over the fence and and you were willing to try new things. Yeah, I think that's probably like probably one of the most significant things is not being satisfied, but being content, seeing that something has to change. Like when I worked in the school, um, I was like, I love it. Like we experienced the start or I'd say like a revival, like God moved in profound ways that I didn't know was even possible ever and worked in this way. And so there's something forming and people would ask like, are you ever going to leave? And I'm like, well, I won't leave unless, and there was like two places that if they would call, I would have been needed to go to, but I didn't apply. There weren't job opportunities, but I, I didn't want to work with just youth. And then they hit 18 or they graduate and then you just send them off on their own. I'm like, there has to be more. And from early, I wanted to work birth to death. I wanted to walk with families, with people, through marriages, through birth, through funerals. I just the whole thing, I felt discipleship must be there. And then we just experimented lots. Like we moved, when we moved to the other city, uh, we bought a home, but I brought six young adult guys from the school that I'd worked at to come and live in our home with us. And that led to a few more. And over 11 years, I, I don't know, we've had 60 or 70 different people live with us uh, in our home because we felt like true discipleship must be more than just teaching from the pulpit or once a week you meet someone. We needed to like have them in our lives, have every area of our lives exposed. What does a godly home look like? What is a marriage where they love Jesus? What does that look like? How do we parent our own children plus these other children that are now kind of adopted into our clan. So these are all parts of the the journey. Yeah, and I sense it's not out of, yeah, what you said is discontentment or anxious, move on to the next thing quickly, like be busy bodies. But it, I sense this sense of curiosity, bringing things back to its roots, yeah. to the original intent of community. What does it mean? Can you share a little bit of your experience, perhaps bringing in, expanding your home in in very unprecedented ways? It's It's not normal. Uh, in Canada to do what you did or or even maybe share a little bit of your experience at the high school and what happened there when you thought outside the box you you weren't just there to be a chaplain and and do kind of things business as usual you were you were striving for something different not for uniqueness sake yeah but you were looking for something different can you share a little bit of those examples so we we can have a taste of that yeah so maturity has been probably a driving force for me most of my life how do we help people grow to be compelled by the love of Christ in everything that we do? So I wasn't looking for what's creative, what's a new way to do something. It's like, I see something that's lacking. It's like Paul is described as an apostle who's like an expert builder or, or a wise builder, not built upon anything other than the foundation of Christ, but he's a builder. And then there's others that are going to build on him and build on him. And that's sort of a, like a premise of the apostolic in nature. So it's like looking and going, okay, I see all these broken homes that kids are coming from. Well, how do we help change the mentality, the way that they live? How do, how do we help change it? Well, the best way that I could see is invite them in. Now that's very, that's very biblical, but I would tell people don't have a community home. It's not, like, don't do it. It's not easy. <laughs> not easy. And everything is exposed. So don't, don't just do it. Uh, make sure the Lord is showing you, but it's good for you because you have to be humble. Your life is exposed. So in the school, I was like, okay, how do we help kids have faith? 
high school kids are not really supposed to. They're supposed to like, have difficulty and trouble and be a little bit rebellious and hope that they make it at the end is the narrative I was taught. I was like, it can't be that way. So all I knew is I would read the Bible and be like, you got to pray. And I wanted to learn how to pray more. So we just started gathering kids to pray. And we would meet in the morning, just a few of us, have a guitar in my office, like 7 a.m. We get an and hour. And people came. Yeah, we probably had a half a dozen. That's good. And then year two, a little bit more. And then year three, the well opened. And we would have 60, 70, 80 kids. At five in the morning, high school kids and myself were driving all over the city to pick up kids to come to pray. Uh, then we'd wow. meet at six, and then teachers would come, and then a custodian would come. And then uh, I remember this one time, a young man came who was like the furthest from God, and he brought drugs. And he just came early in the morning, which high school kids should not want to come early. But Jesus was with us. His, his presence, his spirit was there. And he just brought drugs and said, I'm now done. I want to follow and live for God. And this was like, what is happening? Every spare, after school, before school, we just, we always came together. We brought another person and we just did ministry in the school. It was, it was profound. It really changed me. Wow. And we would have said, this is like revival for us. Sure. Uh, and then how do you end it? Which is why six of the guys moved with us. Many different ones came at different points to be with us, trying to learn how are we going to disciple well? How do we help people get to maturity? How do you have a Paul and Timothy? Yeah. What does that look like? And these were things we were attempting to navigate to get answers to. And I didn't even know that the apostolic or the fivefold was a thing. I, I Right. That, that was not in any bit of the teaching I grew up in. We were in a church planting family. This was not in my dad's purview. Uh, so I just didn't know. And we didn't go to conferences. We just, there was so much ministry to do today. Let's just do it. I'm going to parties where there's kids to try to lead them to Jesus. We're doing street ministry wherever we could. We're finding kids in schools and parents are calling. And that was sort of, our lives were just, how do we help people know Jesus deeply and intimately? And you're willing to sit with the problem long enough and stay up at night thinking, okay, how can we work through this? Rather than, sometimes we can be conflict avoidant and go to the happy, happy Jesus, <laughs> clappy <laughs> kind of a thing. And there's there's room for all of that, but we need to sit with the problems long enough to get creative with what is God asking of us? I know I didn't know about the apostolic really either. It wasn't something that was part of my vocabulary and understanding growing up. And it was only after starting Care Impact that we realized, oh, this is a thing. Yeah, right. And this is just a wiring, a DNA, a, a sort of a a way, a, a lens of looking at it that is so needed in the church. And there's a variety of ways this is expressed. Like it's unlimited. Yeah. Uh, but something that you said just now uh, stuck out to me that year three is when you saw a lot of like huge movement and growth. It was busting out. But it took year one and two when there was six people. And when you were tired at five in the morning, you would rather have slept in. For there sure. was no results. But one of the things that it stuck out with me is that apostolic giftings you do it anyway, and it takes risk, yeah. and it takes guts, and maybe it would never go past five people, but you do it anyway, yeah. and you learn through it, and you say, okay, where is it God leading me through this? There's always a journey. It's not a destination. Um, I think that's profound. Tell me a little bit, what is it like in year one and two, and like metaphorically, and all of the things that you've started or gotten involved with? When you don't see the results right away and not everybody's giving you the affirmation, they can't even envision that yet. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the hardest parts of having a measure of an apostolic gift, which is you're often front running. 
you're you're leading something and it doesn't look the same. And so there's there's few that would be like early adopters would be like, yeah, we can do it. Let's run. There's few that are like that. Most are giving you warning. You shouldn't do it. And so you question all these things. For me, it was in this time that I learned how God spoke. I learned that he did speak. I didn't know. I didn't believe that he didn't speak. I just thought on a very rare occasion would he speak. And so the intimate place became so critically important for me. I got to hear from him. And what does this look like? And he early on, he had to deal with me. I remember I was on the worship team. I was a percussionist or a drummer. And then we had lots of drummers at our little fledgling church. And they're like, Mm -hmm. we need a guitar player. I'm like, well, I'll learn guitar. And I just pick it up and you're just going to give it a whirl. But I was never going to sing because I was told my whole life I had a unique voice, which to me was like (laughs) bat. And so I remember one day the person leading worship didn't show. And they're like, Donovan, you have to lead. I'm like, I can't lead. And so I went outside and it's brand new and hearing God. I went outside and I was like, I'm crying. I'm like, God, I can't do it. Like, like people are going to think my voice is terrible. It's not good. And I just felt the spirit was like, like, what's the worst case? They never ask you again. So, so then you're in the same spot you are right now. The best case is you, you find out that you can take people into the throne room, like into right. the presence of God and you're a worshiper. So like bring people to worship me. Yeah. And it was like, worst case. I was like, huh? And it's like, Donovan, why are you leading anyway? Are you leading so that it, like everyone loves you? Everyone wants to be with you? Or are you leading because I'm asking you to? Right. And it was just like this shift. And I was like, okay. And it was the same thing here. Uh, you come and you're preaching and the church here grew really quickly at the beginning. And then I remember I'd come to church and it's like nine o'clock in the morning. I'd sit down in my chair. I'd always sit in the front because I didn't want to see who was coming. <laughs> and I'd sit in the front. I'm like, and I'd look back at like 902. And I'm like, nobody's here. The novelty's worn off. And the spirit was like, Donovan, like, did I call you to do it to pack a place or did I ask you to just to be obedient? Right. It's like, oh yeah, God. And it, there was a shift and then it didn't matter. Here on in, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I know I'm a risk taker. I'm happy to walk down that road. I typically now I'm like, I just know if something is going to work or not. It's and in your gut. Yeah, I'm I'm a builder. I, I know that. I'm like, ah, people are like it's not going to work. I'm like, ah, this one's going to work. I I just know. It's like, how do you know? It's like, I don't. But the spirit will testify. Like, and I'm like, and if it doesn't work, because we've done, I've done things that didn't work well, and it's like okay, because I'm like, like you said, okay, God, I want to learn. What were you showing me? What was happening? Was this you? Was I getting overly zealous and excited? And I just want to learn. And so I'm okay with failing and I can admit failure. And I think that's been the gift for me all the way through. Well, and I think there should be permission within the church to exercise things that we don't even know if we're good at or will ever do again. For sure. But I just sat in some of your teachings here this morning and our family has been blessed by your pastoral team and your teachings. And you just identified one of the five things with discipleship globally distinctive is dying to self. And I think part of the apostolic gifting, dying to self, is getting over ourselves and putting ourselves out there anyway, because it's not about us. It's not about our agenda or a big logo or a thing that we're doing, but we believe in this cause or this this need so much. There's a hunger about that that will compel you forward. But I'm just curious, in your formational years, even before you knew about the apostolic giftings and you were walking in it and growing in it, were there people or things in your life that nurtured that, that that helped you? Maybe others that were, had that gifting that would mentor you or 
perhaps a balance within the other giftings that we've been talking about that helped strengthen some of that in you? Yeah, so I think maybe something to to highlight to answer that is, so I, again, I didn't know that was going on. I, I'm a question asker. Um, I'd be in like little church plant meetings and we're trying to discuss things. I'm like, well, what about this? And what about this? And you kind of feel crazy because people are like, no, no, you can't do that. But today we're doing it. But I was already asking questions when I was like 17, 18, 19. I'm like, no, there's there's something off. Like this doesn't make sense. And why do we do this? Is it tradition or or what is it? So there's these things that are going on. And so you sort of think, well, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just kind of crazy. Like maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. So you you find people and you just ask and you dig. Not about am I crazy? Just like, what do you think about this? And how does this work? And people who it appeared to me that were really fruitful in ministry. Like we're so inspirational. Like, yeah, of course, Donovan, we can do that. And anyone that was like a professional Christian, I'll use that language, yeah. they were like the biggest naysayers. And I was like, oh, interesting. So this was going on. And now flipping back into Ephesians 4, Jesus gives these gifts to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. It's a gift that's given by Jesus himself for the church. So from early on, these are things that are going on. And I recognize today, it's like, oh, it's not a special gift to make it better than. It's just right. God needs some that are going to do the work of the equipping of the saints in the fivefold ministry that way. And then when it comes to elders, those that are going to lead a congregation or lead a church, it's the apostle. The apostles gather and they pray and they fast and then they lay hands on for the work of an elder. Elders are appointed by mm-hmm. apostles scripturally. So I'm like, oh, hang on a second. So I think that's something where early on, People would have just looked and seen it. And then as I was moving into circles where there was, you know, prophetic words, I remember being 18 at a conference, didn't know about prophetic words. A dear friend of mine today, didn't know him then. He just, out of the crowd, he was like, pointed at me and said, "Uh, you have a calling into full-time ministry. I see this (laughs) upon you. And I was like, oh, fascinating. Because my whole life, I just wanted to be full-time pastor. I just, I wanted to be a minister from when I was a child, grade four. And Everywhere that I would go, God affirmed by prophetic voices, people would come up. We'd be in a prayer meeting. I'd go to a conference. I'd go here. And I was like, God, it's like I have this like little magnet. The people just come up. It's like, God has a word for you. Like out of the blue, all over. All it was from the Lord was just affirmation and helping me see that he called me for something specific and I needed to fulfill that. Now, he, he calls us. He gives us each a role within the body of Christ, but he's helping me to see. And I needed like a hundred. Yeah. Uh, prophetic words. I needed like a hundred people of the faith to remind, to say, I see this in you. Do you see this? And I'm like, I'm just like, not that smart. I'm just a little kid. I'm just kind of doing my thing. I just love Jesus. That's all I got. Like, And God affirmed building, creating, developing, teaching, reminding. And it's like, okay, now let's do it. And so that's kind of the path. That's beautiful. Because I think it does require a maturity, a journeying through that affirmation. It's not like a talent search Yeah. Uh, that, oh, this guy's charismatic. And therefore, uh, there can be a lot of flops and lack of maturity, lack of roots being born into, but letting yourself be hungry. I, I think that's what I'm hearing also is that there's a hunger for sure to hear from God, a hunger to to know God and to not for your, like me, myself and I, Jesus, my boyfriend, but Lord, how You've, you've impacted me or you've given me this heart for people, but how do I, I live that out? Yeah. Um, it's affirmed within the body of Christ and in experiences too. 
I think of times where I've done things and it hasn't been my beautiful show. Yeah. But have I learned from that? Have I learned to dive to self and be okay with critiques and learn from it? Not just find people that like your ideas, because that that also can be misleading as well, right? Yeah. There are times we can come up with grand ideas, like we're going to get the bouncy castle of bouncy castle events, and we're going to transform our community when God is asking us to pray or do something simple that is so unseen, and there is fruit. Yeah. And uh, I just would like to comment too, there is fruit in the Anchor Point Church that you're pastoring. And one of the things that I appreciate about your leadership style is that, yes, you lead with vision and the what ifs, and you plant that, and you're actually rising that within there. You're not the only one with apostolic, but you're like, it resonates with others. Mm -hmm. But you're also delegating and releasing, releasing people into things that you could have control over. Uh, The CEO model would say, like, everything, the, the buck stops with you. But tell me a little bit about what that journey's like to have a pastoral heart as well and to want it so bad for this community and yet release it into not just other professional pastors or professional Christians, but fledglings in Christ that you're discipling into and releasing things into their hands. What's that been like? Yeah, Wendy, that's a that's a big challenge because there's there's a responsibility or an obligation biblically for the elders, the leaders of the church, to give extraordinary care. Yeah. And so you're you're working on that front. Our church just happened to grow quite quickly. So it's like you're trying to keep up with pastoral care. Then there's people dying. Then there's weddings happening. Then you're trying to hire a staff, but you don't. And you're finding the space, and you're and you're trying to release. And then I'd have staff say, Donovan, like you can give us more. Like you can you can give us pastoral care. I'm like, actually, actually, I can't. Right. Because if I just if I just give it to you. You'll meet with someone for like 30 minutes and they'll walk away because they're they're not looking just for someone. They're, they're they're looking for someone who can help them to be transformed, to know Christ, to to walk there. Right. And so if you want to help me engage in knowing the congregation and giving care to them, yeah. so they start coming to you because they trust you, they love you. And that would be an elder in a church, would be someone like that. But I, I didn't know. I you're, trying. So you're not just handing things off, no. but you sat with that problem and you created a pathway for maturity. Can you talk about that? Yeah, th- this is this is the part. So we, Ephesians 4 being the, the passage that we're on here. So we, early on, I was like, okay, we got to train in these areas. Like, I, I think, I think everyone in the church probably has a bent towards, like Jesus is all of the five, but not everyone is it, but like the small A, the small P, the small S, like. Everyone has these, I think, and I think we could do personality types based on the fivefold ministry. And so we thought, okay, if everyone probably has a bent towards the pastoral or towards teaching or towards the apostolic or towards like evangelism or the prophetic, we have these things and I think everyone was there. So the strategy that we felt the Lord had, and he confirmed it through the prophetic was, okay, we're going to train in this area. So today was journey one, a discipleship path that God gave us on what to do. And it's almost exclusive on learning how to love each other, mm-hmm. learning how to enter into relationship, to be deep, because we see that as one of the greatest lacks in our culture today. Well, the relational poverty is <sighs> is in the church and within our society. It's our number one For challenge. Sure. And so the church has an obligation to, how do we make the world more like heaven? So that's, I think, why the Lord would lead us there. 
And then the next path was we're teaching in the four. We don't do the apostolic. That's That'll come at some point. But the other four, we're doing those. And so we're making it just a part of the church. So we teach prophetic. Then we have a prayer room that's open every Friday night. Um, and then people will come and they'll practice and they'll teach and people will receive. And we do this with the teaching. And then they get to teach in the pulpit and they get to share all summer long. And evangelism, we're teaching and we're going out and we're trying to find the gifts that people have to compel them. And the theory is, like it says in there, until they reach the fullness or until they become mature Mm -hmm. and complete, not lacking anything. I think if we can find what the gifts are, we can find what the propensity is, then people can begin to bear some fruitfulness. And when you begin to bear fruit in ministering to people and having their lives changed, it is so addicting. And then people live their lives. And then the kingdom of heaven moves forward because people are compelled by Christ in them, not compelled by a pastor trying to convince them that they should go and do something so that Christianity can be a movement again, not a nice idea or a nice organization. It's an actual organism that moves and not dependent upon just one. So you're describing some structure and some intentionality, absolutely, and being good stewards of the flock and the Word of God and all of those things. At the same time, giving permission that you're not so dependent on the structure to bring people into professional Christian, but the Holy Spirit to minister. Right. Uh, so that you're... I see it as a creating an appetite for more and to to allow the Holy Spirit to work in conjunction. That's how the Holy Spirit works. It's co-creating, right? Right, totally. With God, and that's and that's the growth of the church. And and I think one of the things with apostolic ministries and those with that that bent, they have a propensity to speak courage into those spaces that other people may not voice, and perhaps not always a charisma, that might be more of a personality thing, but a bit of a a magnetism to be brave. Yeah. And I think I see that within church leaders. Like I used to get so frustrated with pastors that just existed in their church for a long time. And then you meet with them, they're inspired, they hear one thing in your church. And because someone has gone ahead of them and done it and bore some, some fruitfulness in it, they're like, oh, and they can give it a whirl. And I used to be frustrated. Like, why don't you just Ask the Lord about it. And then I realized, no, not everyone's a builder. Like that, my my job is I get to experiment and try. The congregation is in to go on the adventure with me and we're going to go try it. And trying to release and get rid of so we can commit more of our time to like the ministry of prayer and the word and the the building. Um, I think that's one of the key things for me. Yeah, so looking that way and then we see a pastor do it and you're like, oh, this is maybe connected to an apostolic where it's like you're meeting with other church leaders they are not just like, I want to do what you're doing, but they're inspired. They have courage. They recognize, oh, there's something here. There's someone else who's done it. I want to give it a whirl. And I think we see that testament all throughout um, scripture as well. But to be honest, I, I've worked with a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, and I, I don't have that pastoral heart naturally. It can drain me sometimes. I lean on people that have that gifting. But what I often find in my own church experience that the apostolic isn't necessarily embraced in the same way. You're a bit of a unicorn pastor in the sense of having that apostolic vision to try to risk. It really has to be rooted in a secure attachment with God and community to be able to lead in a a congregational way. But I wonder, do you have any advice for people that have that small a apostolic or they've been seeing that, hearing that, that affirmation like you were describing earlier, but really not finding their place within the body of Christ? Because sometimes the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist sometimes are 
let's face it, that's where we get nonprofits. That's where we get people starting great ministries and businesses and entrepreneurial type endeavors. And that's all okay. However, within the church, there's not necessarily a place for that. Can you speak to those that are trying to find their place in the body of Christ? Yeah, specifically in the area of the apostolic, it's for sure it's a lonely place. And then you hear things like we just talked about, like you need balance. You don't want just people to speak and affirm you and all of your ideas. But on the flip side of that is you, you don't want that, but you want to find other people that are apostolic in nature. And when you have the apostles together, there's movement. If you're an apostle by yourself and you have everyone around you that are pastoral and they're they're prophetic. They're all those things. They're like, no, you can't. You shouldn't stop. Da, 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 da. And it's because we've never done it that way. <laughs> yeah, but and and it's it's all well intended. Absolutely. But it's not movement. And apostles must have they they just must have movement. They like, can't stop. No, they they just must. They're going into new territory. Most apostles. I think there's some exceptions, like John, who had was sure. an apostle of like a message of like you need to stay close to Jesus. But he was a disruptor. He was a disruptor. So there was a movement even there. There, There's like that holy disruption. Yeah. They're not trying to be like disturbers for the sake of it, if they're healthy. Yeah. Um, However, there is a disruption. Yeah. So I think when you find people who are different than you um, is good, but to find a few apostolic people, people who are like that to like bounce off, not yes people, but just like what do you think? I had this idea and I have many of these that I now get together with. I'm like, okay, I have I have this idea of what I think we need to do. It's going to solve this problem in society or in the church. So like, this is what I think the Lord is saying, but I need I need to know. Like, am I missing something? What do you see? And when I'm together with apostolic type people, it is like electric because we don't have to like could change the world over one cup of coffee. Yeah. You, you don't need to like appease each other. Right. You can fight each other. Oh, absolutely. You can go hard, but you're looking like towards Jesus and building upon that foundation. So I think that's why the apostolic, their job is bringing balance. If you can have an elder, which is a lot of our, our, our pastors and churches, our elders who are shepherds or who are teachers, the apostolic would come in and be like, hang on a second. It's not just shepherding. Like there's more that Jesus has for your congregation. They help to see and bring balance or an alignment. I think because the apostolic has been removed almost exclusively from the church, I think we lack balance. We lack like making sure it's not just prophetic. It's not just shepherding. It's not just evangelism. It's we're bringing this together to have balance so that we can actually move and give care and have good teaching and hear from the Lord and have the gifts of the spirit. They're all working together. Yeah, and so maybe from that and to conclude here, one of the, the things that I'm hearing is that if you have people with apostolic giftings that sort of resonate with some of the things that we're talking, obviously everybody's a little different. They bring their uniquenesses and God has certain purposes for different individuals. But if you have those within your congregation or in your family or in your your small group, listen and be part of that. We welcome those voices yeah. that are different from ours, not just yes and amens, uh, because we will have a million ideas, but we're still like we're testing it out with the body of Christ. Like what sits well with you, and we need the pastoral, we need the uh, evangelist, we need the sh- the teacher, uh, the prophetic to to balance us. But save a room at the table, yeah, 
for those with apostolic. Don't don't get frustrated with us when we come up with new ideas because maybe that's the next best yeah. thing for revival that we're all praying for. We're all seeking the the edification and building up the church, but sometimes we're feeling stuck. Get a small A apostolic at your table. Yeah. You won't feel stuck even if it just generates energy yeah. in the room for for something new, the what if. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point and I think if we loved each other, if we actually learned how to love each other well, then I'm like, Wendy, tell me, like, what do you what do you see when you look at this passage of scripture or this problem? Oh, John, what do you what do it's you see? It's not threatening this? anymore, right? Because you're you're trying to discover the gifts all working together, and all of these gifts are gifts that are grown, massaged, and matured over time. And in community, it, it has to be in community. I think um, maybe maybe in conclusion for myself, it's like when Paul gives his life to Jesus, road to Damascus. And he has this encounter and he's like changed from night and day. He's changed. Immediately he's he's in the temple and he's preaching, right. but he submits himself in Antioch to the other apostolic leaders for years until they approve that he is a fellow apostle for the gospel. And I'm like, I, I just find that so fascinating. He went and he found other apostolic people. He wasn't just looking for elders. He was now going to like a council of sorts to the the apostles of Antioch to, to submit himself. That's a spiritual humility at a whole new level. It's not just going gangbuster. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important. We get to grow in it, develop. He was growing in it for like three years in Antioch, still operating in it. It's like still going and he's building and planting churches, but he's coming until they're like, okay, yeah, we see this in here and we trust you. You're no longer murdering Christians. That's pretty cool, Paul. Right. And he's leading people and he's planting. It's, I think it's fantastic. But I think we have to be mindful. It's not to idolize the apostolic. That's right. It's just a, it's just a gift. And we don't want everyone to be apostles or everyone to be prophets. That, that would not be good. We need some. And then we need people to do the work of ministry every day in the lives, in the homes with people loving and caring for them. And that becomes really critically important. Well, thank you so much, Donovan, for taking the time to talk about something that is a natural thing. And I just wanted to thank you for exercising that here in Winnipeg and uh, blessing our community. And I know the best is yet to come. And that's how we lead differently together. So thank you so much. It was a joy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining another conversation on Journey with Care, where we inspire curious Canadians on their path of faith, and living life with purpose in community. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church to journey well in community. You can visit their website at careimpact.ca or visit journeywithcare.ca to get more information on weekly episodes, Journey with Prayer, and details about our upcoming events and meetups. You can also leave us a message, share your thoughts, and connect with like-minded individuals who are on their own journeys of faith and purpose. Thank you for sharing this podcast and helping these stories reach the community. Together we can explore ways to journey in a good way. And always remember to stay curious.